So, uh, at the moment, it's not quite clear uh, the difference between those who believe in God and those who don't. At the moment, it's not quite clear. But one day, the difference will be there. The Bible says, and you will see again the difference between those who serve God and those who don't. There is a difference. There will be a difference. Yaakov Prash always says, the best is yet to come for the believers, and the worst is still to come for the unbelievers. There is hell and there is heaven. There will be a difference. We will spend eternity with God in heaven. We trust in him. We are at peace. Peace he gave us, not as the world giveth, he says. It's a different kind of peace that uh, does not depend on circumstances. You see, there are people, they're on fire, they worship God. You can tell by the way they behave that something good is happening in their life. When is adversity, worship is gone. It's misery. We are of those who worship God in a good and in bad time. People cannot even tell when we're going through difficulties. Because Christ, 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 Christ. We do not only worship God when things go well. We worship God in spite and despite. We've just spent one hour talking to God, worship, listening to nice music and playing and praising to the Lord. May I suggest that we keep the same attitude now for the next hour? That you receive the word of God with enthusiasm. And that I preach to you with conviction. Because you see, the Christian life... There is a breathing, respiration. You pray, you receive the word of God. You are strengthened and you live. If you only talk, 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 and you're not refilled, you run out of strength. Oswald Chambers, I've quoted this before, Oswald Chambers warned, Less in our zeal to get people to accept the gospel, we manufacture a gospel acceptable to people and produce converts who are not saved. Because we are so desperate to please people, to make it look and feel nice to them. And we produce people who are sympathetic with Jesus Christ. People who choose Jesus Christ because he's a great moral teacher. Because they like his behavior. Even Gandhi admired Jesus' character. But he wasn't saved. Unless he did it before dying, we shall see in heaven. You see, people come to question, oh, Christ is good, you know. He, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a fair play person. Jesus is nice. He's quiet. He helps. I can write to him. That is not enough. We have to receive Jesus Christ and be saved and receive his Holy Spirit. For the Bible says, he who does not have his spirit, however nice and enthusiastic we may be, 
whoever does not have his spirit is not his. Not my word, Romans 8, 9. Whoever does not have Christ's spirit does not belong to him. As simple as that. How do we receive his spirit? By inviting Jesus Christ in our hearts. By receiving him as a personal savior. And by repenting from our sins. Asking forgiveness. Receiving what God did for us. And accepting that Jesus died on the cross. Paid for your sin. And in him forgiveness and salvation is obtained. As simple as that. But then. That is not a simple statement. John the Baptist said, show them by your deeds, by your fruits, that your life has changed. The newness of life. If anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. All things, old things have passed away and everything has become new. We call that the newness of life. That's evidence. That we belong to Christ. We love him. We begin to listen and to obey and to work in him. Not in words, but in reality. We love him. We love the assembling with the brothers. Four pillars. Prayer. Breaking of bread. Fellowship. Word of God. Those four. Hallmark of a true believers. They love the assembly. They love assembling with others. To pray, to cry out to the Lord, to pray to, to strengthen one another. Yesterday we had uh, an elder and deacons meeting and we, we discussed quite a quite few things at the leadership level and we uh, define, we define between us from leadership perspective what is growth? What does growth mean for this church? And we come up with a body of understanding of what we consider to be growth in this church. And then we'll be praying accordingly. It was interesting. And we look together what was against that growth in our midst. What was working against that growth. So, because we want to make things look so nice to people, we are fabricating converts and not redeemed. You see, uh, I became a Christian in a very small country in Central Africa. The country is called Burundi. In Burundi, they don't talk in terms of uh, believers and non-believers, Christian and non-Christian. No. They talk in terms of saved and unsaved. If you say I'm a Christian, they will ask you, are you Mokizwa? Are you saved? You already say I'm Christian. And they say, are you saved? And they make a difference. And people know. They say, oh, those are the Bakizwa. Those are the saved people. Aha, very clear. Because Christians today means anything. You know that? I told you about Christian and rabbit dog and Christian Christian dogs and chicken and all those things, etc. Today, most popular perversion is the positive gospel. Remember what I told you? 
when these things begin to happen, remember where you heard it first. There's no positive, there's no negative word in the Bible. Any version of the Bible is not there. When you see it for the first time, remember where you heard it first. Because there is an effort of psychologists to bring in, to find a space for those two words. Once they get in, then that's it. Already some preachers are finding, some preachers and listeners are finding it very offensive to talk about sinners. We should not talk about sinners. Because Jesus Christ died to restore our human dignity and top up self-esteem. May feel us make make us feel good, but it's not biblical. I think it was uh, the father of modern physics, uh, Isaac Newton. English is very good. You know what? You have Isaac Newton, you have John Newton, and you have Isaac Watts. They have one thing in common: they believed in Christ. One, the father of modern physics. One, the father of modern hymns. And one, a former slave master. Praise God. That's English. You see, uh, whenever people heard Jesus talking, the word of God is offensive. It's also offending. And it will be even more offending in the latter days. Because people will not bear the truth anymore. They will be offended. They will be easily offended, the Bible says. As one of the trades of the end time, people will take offense from the truth of God. Religion, not atheism is Satan's main weapon. Not religion, not atheism, religion is the problem. Because of the false hope it's offering to people. You have humanistic religion, you have all sorts of religion, call it one thing, philosophies. And we are warned in the Bible against the damage of philosophy. Do not be deceived with empty philosophy, deceit, deception. And the Bible does warn us that all those things exalt themselves and compete with the word of God. They need to be brought down with the word of God. In particular in the church. Should not accept anything that competes with the word of God. We all work and sing by the same hymn sheet, the word of God. So, where are we today? The vanity of the fleeting confidence. Unfortunately, critical issues continued today. Not going to part three, but still critical issues continued today. We're going to read, to have three readings, and the first one will be the same we've been reading. I would like us to familiarize with Psalm 49. Because Psalm 49, look at the introduction. Here, all people. It's addressed to all people. Not just to the saved, not just to Israel, but to all people. 
It speaks of the poor and the rich. It speaks of the wise people and the senseless people and the fool. Everybody must hear this message. There is no exception. There is no favoritism. Everybody will one day die and stand before God unless unless you've received Jesus Christ. You will not come before the last judgment. But one day I heard uh, his friend was preaching somewhere and he said uh, he quoted Paul and he said oh you see Paul say we shall all be judged and the same Paul is saying oh, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He said well there is a contradiction I said oh la la our work will be judged the judgment seat of Christ the Bema in Greek Bema judgment seat of Christ is also called the reward place. It's a place where your work and my work will be assessed by fire. And whatever survives the fire, we will receive a reward. Now you're asking yourself, why would God need fire in heaven? It's what remember. Just the eyes of Jesus Christ themselves are like a fire. They just burn everything straight away. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. There will be rewards. So by faith. And we do it in tears. Yesterday I told the deacon and I, I couldn't see them, you know, some of them coming with a, a child was there and the parent were there in a meeting for two, two hours and a half, etc. I say, God knows that. It doesn't matter. Some people in this time are watching Britain's got talent. But you're praying for them. You're discussing things pertaining to heaven. And don't expect always them to clap for you. Don't be discouraged. There will be rewards. You see, the people who are serving the Lord are human just like you and I, all working 10, 12 hours on top of the work of God here and caring for your, for your souls. You come here in the morning and you find everything is ordered. Or ordered. You find the table of the Holy Supper there, etc. It's people who have been here waking up at 5, 6, just like you, and coming to prepare those things. When you come and you sit down and you worship, you go to the back home. Pray for those people. Pray. If you say this thing is not working, this thing is not working, well, I'm blessed when I hear someone praying for me. This morning, Ari prayed for me. And I know you prayed for me. Praise the Lord. I know it and I feel it. You pray for the deacons. You pray for one another here. It's not just me and the deacons. Many people work. You see it or you don't see but many people work here. A lot of work. But God knows. And some of you labor in prayer. We don't see it but God sees it. Continue to serve God. That's how the church is moving forward. By the assistance of the Holy Spirit. The church will prevail. The vanity of the fleeting confidence. Now, I will move very fast. 
conclude this. Critical issues, continuation of part two. Remember what those issues were. But let, let's just read Psalm 49. Hear this, all peoples. Give ears, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will disclose my dark saying on, a har on the harp. Verse 5. Why should I fear in the day of in the day, on the days of evil, when the iniquity of my hills round me, those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. Verse 8. For the redemption of their souls is costly, and it shall cease forever, that he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. Verse 10. For he sees wise men die Likewise, the fool and the senseless person perish and leave their wealth to others. The inner thought is that their houses will last forever, their dwelling places to all generations. They call their land after their own name. Nevertheless, man, though in honor, does not remain. He is like the beast that perish. This is the way of those who are foolish, and of their posterity who approve their sayings. 14. Like sheep they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. The upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. And their beauty shall be consumed in the grave, far from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave for he shall receive me. Think and pause, because it's important. That's sailor. 16. Do not be afraid when one becomes rich, when the glory of his house is increased, for when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him, Though while he lives, he blesses himself, for man will praise you when you do well for yourself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. A man who is in honor, yet does not understand, is like the beast that perish. Now, Look at verse 10. For he sees the wise man die, likewise the fool and the senseless person perish. There is a difference between dying and perishing. Perishing is usually a dramatic, a catastrophic thing, a disastrous, a violent thing, a bad thing. Dying, one can die of old age. It's not, it's a normal thing. When it comes to the believer, remember the expression used by the Lord. 
He who lives and believes in me, though he may die, not perish, will live. Though he may die. So we may die. Even as we believe in Christ, we may die. But some of the believers will not taste death at the rapture. Some may die, some won't, some may not. But when it comes to the hidden, to the unbelievers, the expression perish is used. Perish. Really bad. Eternal separation from God with no hope. That perishing. You see the disciple in the boat? Master, you're sleeping, we're perishing. That perishing. Something really violent, catastrophic, hopeless. In some places in this world, in Ivory Coast, when a very, very, very old person dies, there is a party. Because they've had a long life. It's a celebration. You see, dying is not the same as perishing. If you die in Christ, Christ calls that sleeping. Can you imagine that? And he said, I do not want you to be so sorrowful concerning those who have fallen asleep. He speaks of his friend Lazarus in John 11, 11. Our friend Lazarus has slept. Christ is calling death. You see, death is the, the Bible calls it the last enemy of human. Everybody is frightened, afraid of death. And Christ changed its meaning. And he said, it's sleeping. Why? And he said, I will wake him up. Christ. So we look beyond the grave as believers. Because of that, we have peace. It is death that causes people to lose peace. Death. Our life is secured in Jesus Christ. Think about that. He calls death sleep because he will raise us up. But the hidden, the rebellious, the enemies of God will perish. There will be a difference. They will rot in hell. By rot, I don't mean annihilated. No. Because it will be forever and ever. Unquenched fire, the Bible says. Now, bring your own definition of fire, whether it means you know, a bit of heat and putting the... That's your problem. I'm just going by the Bible. Eternal fire. Unquenched fire. Lake of fire. Day and night forever. That's what the Bible says. Now bring some fixing yourself to make you feel better. Or people, oh no, I don't feel, you know. The fool, the senseless, the ungodly perish. The rich and the poor die as well. There's no salvation in riches. No. All will be left behind. If we are believers in Christ Jesus, on that day we will stand before Christ. 
and he will assess everyone's work on that day. Things done in secret, things unseen by the general public, but only seen by God, on that day, the fire of God will reveal. I'm standing here to encourage you. Do not deceive yourself. Do not be wise in your own sight. Serve the Lord. Serve properly the Lord. Actively give time for others. That's what serving means. You serve the Lord and you serve other people. It costs time. It costs health. It costs effort. It costs pride. It costs everything. There are things we accept, we wouldn't normally accept. There are things I accept in the church, but I cannot accept at home. It's impossible. But in the church, it's the house of God. I had younger people calling me, you guys. And I said, that's fine, my name is Guy, by the way. I'm not offended. What is the last judgment? What is the final abode? So that would be, I think that would be uh, the next session, the next teaching, sinners and saints, where they will spend eternity. Is eternal, is the punishment eternal or temporary? I asked the question the other day, why should the solution to sin be eternal? I can skip all that. I've said that already. So, World religions and various philosophies are an attempt to provide answers to these critical questions. That what religion is. Now, Jesus Christ died, died and rose again. And then, in his, his humanity on this earth, he brought people to life. I think he's more reliable than anyone else. He's more qualified. He's the most qualified to talk about death. Buddha is going to the Nirvana. He's going to meet Brahma. But we don't know. Where, where are they? Where are they? We just follow someone who himself doesn't know where he was going. Then you have Muhammad. You know, there will be a system of weighing. You know, they're good. We don't know. Christ brought back people to death. He is qualified to say, I'm the resurrection. He did it. He came back from the dead himself. Therefore, therefore, we can trust him. That itself is enough to establish you in your faith. The Bible is not true because we believe it. We believe it because it's true. Those who trust in God after receiving his word of truth, the gospel of salvation, have the inheritance of his redemption, the eternal life. But those who reject his grace will be eternally separated from God. You see, however much you love someone, if they don't have Christ and they close their eyes in death, that it's eternally. You can cry, you can have a super premium funeral service, you know, the longest, the nicest limo, etc. Well, he just escorting him to hell. He won't change anything. Did I tell you the other day the story of that great missionary who had spent 
many, many, many years in a jungle in Africa, preaching the gospel. And one day he was coming back to America, and uh, he got there. They stopped the boat. They say, wait, wait, wait. The president is coming back from Barbados from holiday. You know, let him you know, go first, then you know, we'll deal with you. And the president who was coming from holiday, we don't know what he did on holiday because people do all sorts of things on holiday, but he was welcome with a pompous welcome. president is back. And the mission was looking by the window like this, and he waited one, two hours. And they said, okay, the non-important people can come now out. And he came. There's not even one person from the church to welcome someone who lived in mosquitoes, mosquitoes for 40 years preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not even one person. He was sad. Just there in his heart. My son, you're not home yet. Wait, you're welcome. The difference will come on that day. <laughs> Those who trust in Christ, the difference will come. Don't play. You will see again the difference between those who serve Christ and those who don't. The difference will come. Sorry. You're not home yet. Don't wait. Flowers here. That day you will have the welcome. Remember Stephen in the Bible. Serve God truthfully. Sorry. We call to love God with our souls. Our emotions is part of our souls. These things may happen. Sorry. We are not home yet. We don't wait people to clap for us. We are despised because of Christ. But on that day, the work of everyone will be revealed. The day of salvation is today because time is running out. It is written that after death, God's judgment awaits those who reject his free salvation or those who pretend, those who are playing with fire, sitting in the church, Living their own, doing their own things. And not being submitted to the living heads. To move the church forward. We are not home yet. On that day, we will receive. Stephen received a standing welcome by Jesus Christ. That awaits you. If you persevere. If you love. If you serve God. It doesn't matter how people see you. On that day you will be honored. You are not home yet. So, you see, friends, it's not about this, but uh, we're just doing these things with all our heart. We're not here to play. 
I don't care. The children are there. It's their problem. Let them know that their dad is serious in what he's doing. It's not my problem. Whoever is looking at me. I'm just talking about Jesus who saved me. I do this all the time at home. This morning at 4 o'clock when God is revealing to me this thing. And I fall down and I'm crying. Lord, how come you can tell me these things? Serve the Lord. Don't be ashamed. It doesn't matter who looks at you. Serve the Lord with your heart. We'll all be saved in the end. That's a lie from the enemy. It doesn't matter. Everybody will be saved. God is good. Gee, don't be too harsh. God is good. Jesus is good. Jesus speaks of hell. Jesus is good and he speaks of hell. Think Matthew 24, verse 41, I think. Speaks of the lake of fire, hell that was prepared for the devil and his enemy. God is not delighted to send people to hell. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. But because people choose the devil, they will spend eternity with him. Some people believe and teach that those who died unsaved will undergo a period, a period of suffering of more or less duration which will purify them. And in the end, all will be saved. But some of you might be offended because you've seen me shedding my tears because some people, some people think he is a very strong man. I'm not. That's a misunderstanding. I'm not like that. I cry all the time. All the time. But before God. Not before people. Don't qualify me the way you want to qualify me. No. Not. No. But it's your choice. It's your appreciation. You see, what I'm doing here, I'm just telling you who I am. If I'm your elder, you need to know who I am. That's me. There's nothing. I've told you initially what you see is what there is. I'm not a politician. I don't know politics. Someone said to me, Guy, you can, no longer, you can never become a pastor because you're not a politician. I say, well, now I'm an elder, there's no pastor. I see the point. I'm taking private tuition because I have a child who studies politics. God, they say, will ultimately triumph over evil. That's true. God will triumph over evil, but not in the way they're saying it. This is true, but not in the way they are saying it. Those supporting this view are called universalists universalist. Everyone will be saved. They call that universal salvation. Now, universal salvation is a doctrine that all sinful and alienated human souls, because of the divine love and mercy, will ultimately be reconciled to God. Hmm. All universalists some of them even believe in Trinity. In Trinity. Trinitarians, Unitarians maintain that salvation history concludes with the reconciliation of the entire human race to God. Hmm. Thus the suffering and crucifixion of Jesus Christ is the mechanism that provides redemption for all humanity and atonement for all sins. Hmm. Universalists have often maintained that punishment of sin can function well without being eternal. 
especially in the afterlife when one can face severe treatment before, first before one eventually gets to heaven. Catholics support this. Catholics support this. False hope. How many Catholics are there? Million, million, million. Believing, going straight to hell, the highway to hell. By the Vicarious Christi. Not Christi, Christi. Vicarious Filii Dei. They believe. Why believing doesn't make something true. They believe that they go to heaven. Even if things go wrong, Mary, the co-redemptrix, will help them. Tragedy. What does the Bible say? After last judgment, it is second death. Hell, also called Gehenna. See, lake of fire, hell, Gehenna, all those are synonymous. Synonyms, all those. Well, because of the translation, German and English, there is a confusion between hell and Hades. They are not the same thing. Because in the end, Hades itself will be thrown in hell. Sinners unrepented will go to hell. Sinners forgiven will go and live with God in new Jerusalem. What did John, what did John see? He said, behold, the tabernacle of God is with man. It wasn't like that before. Before it was just the tabernacle of God. Tabernacle of God. Now the tabernacle of God is with man. Eternally together. No need for light because God is the light himself. Full of righteousness. Saved, redeemed forever with Christ. Never to die again. But we will see that when we throw our other uh, parts. <clears throat> now, this view about universalist, about universal salvation, has a lot of problems. We've identified at least two major problems. Number one, the devil and the fallen angels will have to be ultimately saved but we know that Christ didn't die for the devil. Now, if people say eternal fire, hell, is not eternal, at some point it will be quenched, where would the devil be? Because it was initially made and prepared for the devil and his angel. If it's going to be quenched, what would happen to the devil? Can you see the problem with this? In Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, the devil, the false prophet, and the beast will be tormented forever and ever in the lake of fire. That's what the Bible says. I just quoted for you what Jesus Christ says in Matthew 24, verse, verse 41, that the Gehenna was prepared for the devil and his angels. And Revelation 20, 10 confirms Support that by saying that they will be tormented. That uh, 
satanic parody of Trinity. Right? The father of lies, the son of perdition, the spirit of error. All the three will rot in hell forever and ever. So it may make people feel good that hell is not eternal. You'll be quenched at some philosophy is the problem. Philosophy will send people to hell. Take the word of God seriously. So, Psalm 49 is a message, a warning to all people, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor, wise men, fool and senseless person, all of them. It is universal truth that non-human can redeem his own soul, let alone his brother's. But God can redeem the soul of those who believe in him. In John 11, verse 25 to 26, that's what Jesus Christ says himself. He who lives, who believes in him, though may die, he will raise them up. They will live. Because you trust Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lives in you. Your life has been entrusted to him. You've trusted him. Jesus Christ, here is my life. You live in me. Let your life be manifest in me. Then he will keep it to the end. Faithfully. No one can snatch it away from you. From him. The Lord did not just make this lovely statement. But he demonstrated this. His power and authority. By raising his friend Lazarus. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. <clears throat> but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Christ, that Jesus Christ, died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in, Christ, in Jesus. Verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. The Bible calls death sleep. Sleep. Some have already fallen asleep. Christ will wake them up. And together we will be caught up in the air to be with the Lord forever. That is called blessed hope. Blessed hope. So that's the first problem with universalists. The second problem, for people to spend 
various period of time in the lake of fire for their own purification is simply salvation obtained by own merits, which is unbiblical. If I spend two years in the purgatory and someone has spent two hours, well, they're better than me. And some spend 50 years and some a million years, the, the, the really worst ones. That's salvation obtained by merit. That's not what the Bible says. It's by grace through faith. Let me correct something here in passing. By grace, we are saved through faith. It is a gift from God. What, what is a gift from God? Salvation. Salvation is a gift. Jesus Christ is a gift to humanity. Grace. John Wesley called that preventive grace available to everybody. People can decide to believe or not to believe. Amen? It's not force on anybody. People can decide or not. Now, then you have apostles of these things, the people who are on the ground popularizing these ideas, you know, working very hard to make these things accessible to people. There was a book written by someone, I think I mentioned this a few years ago here, the book was called The Shark. Some of you have seen the book, or read, or seen, or heard of. The book was called The Shark. Sorry. That book was written by a man called William Paul Young. And that man presents his own brand of universalism. His own brand of universalism. He actually invents, instills in the church something called universalist theology. And he said that was based on a real conversation he claims to have had with God, as he claims to have spent an entire weekend with God in a shack. The Shark, that book was published in 2007. In 2007, and within a year, it sold one million copies. The book was the number one paperback trade fiction seller on the New York Times bestseller list for two years. In 2009, the shark was awarded the Diamond Award 
for sale of over 10 million copies after two years. By who? By the Evangelical Christian Publisher Association. So, that's what people read. So you see people sometimes in churches, you, you just think that you see things complicated. So people have their own source of inspiration. People read the purpose-driven, decide the Bible. In fact, there was a time where preachers came before. They came in the pulpit with the Bible and purpose-driven here. Can you believe that? Ten million copies promoted by Christians, evangelical organizations. All will be saved. Now, he wrote another book. After the success of the first one, he wrote another one. Lies we believe about God. Oh. So everything we've received from the forefathers, everything we've received from church history, whew, crumbles. Now he's coming with, he's called that lies we believe. Let's see if we can find one of them here. Uh, in Lies We Believe About God, a book which was released on March the 7th, 2017, the same young states that he believes in universal salvation and that every single human being is in Christ and Christ is in them. Tricky, is it? Clever, cunning. You see, this is called Panentheism. Panentheism. Pan and Theo in Greek. Pan, all, and in, Theo, God. All in God. There is no separation between God, the creator, and the creation. God is part of the creation itself. You see, the creation is a whole, but he has a soul, and that soul is called God. All is God. You see, that's a clever way of promoting Hinduism. You see, many, many years ago, we only knew about monotheism and polytheism. But because of the West involvement and appetite, voracity, with uh, uh, West, uh, Eastern mysticism, they've come up with more technical words, very appealing. Panentheism. Pantheism. Before, it was just monotheism and polytheism. They've come with those words. They brought him in an academic setting and people, it's appealing to people now. I say to someone, do you believe in Jesus with a smile? They look at me, I'm panentheist. That is the belief that the divine pervades and interpenetrates every part of the universe and also extends beyond the space, time and space. In panentheism, God is viewed as the soul of the universe, the universal spirit present everywhere, which at the same time transcends all things created. Panentheism claims that God is greater than the universe. Some version of panentheism suggests that the universe is nothing more than the manifestation of God himself. Ah, 
Do not be unequally yoked with the unbelievers. Environment, climate change, climate change. Those people believe, worship creation. And you have Christian, you know, yeah, it's good. I'm not against your garden. I'm not saying don't worship your flowers. I'm not against your animals, but don't worship them. Don't worship rats and mice. No. Do not be unequally yoked with the unbelievers. These people believe that all is in God and God is in all. That why? The excessive love for those things means more than just loving animals and caring for them. Be careful. Do not be unequally yoked with the unbelievers. The other one is the pantheism. You see, these things are technical, too complicated. Panentheism, pantheism, etc. Those things to confuse people. One is God in all. The other one is God is all. Everything is God. God is in everything. No. In the Bible, in the beginning, God. And then God created. That's Christianity. Then we can worship God. Because the other view actually means that then you can worship anything. Because God is everywhere. You can worship everything. If you do that as a Christian, that is called idolatry. So all these are philo- philosophical religion that uh, are demonically inspired, to say the least. Okay. In Isaiah 38, verse 18, For Sheol cannot thank God. Death cannot praise God. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your truth. Isaiah 38, verse 18. Those who go down in the pit, those who die, there's no more hope. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, people are perishing for rejecting the saving love of the truth of God. Because they did not believe to receive the truth of the love for the truth of God, God sent them a strong delusion that they might believe in lies. But initially they rejected the truth of God. You see, the people who advocate these lies, they say, because the Bible says, you know, all die in Adam, all will live in Christ Jesus. They stress on the word all. But that's physical death. We all die because we descended of Adam. And we all live because we descended of Christ. Because we are born again in Christ. We knew creation. Adam was the first creation, therefore death, physical death affects that creation. But we being created in Christ, the second death has no power on us. Therefore, any teaching providing people with false hope of second chance of salvation after death is deceitful. In fact, afterlife beliefs outside God's free gift of salvation are all false. The Bible says that he that believes not in the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. John three, thirty-six. 
It is appointed unto man to die once, after this the judgment. Hebrews 9.27 All dead in Adam and all made alive in Christ. That does not mean that all human rights is automatically saved. Those created in Adam automatically inherit the sinful nature and those created in Christ are born of his spirit and have eternal life. This is the new creation of those who in Christ will also partake to the integrated reality of the new earth and the new heaven called New Jerusalem. Please wake up. I'm concluding. I'm landing. One minute. There's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved, says the Bible. As simple as that. To those who receive him and believe in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. So, conclusion. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. God bless you. Let's pray. Sorry for the five minutes. Lord, we bless you and we say thank you. We thank you, Lord, because we receive these things and we are blessed to know these things. Help us, Lord, to remain steadfast. Help us, Lord, to cling on to you and to humble under your mighty hands. We pray that, Lord, your Holy Spirit will continue to expound these things in our spirits, to establish these things in our hearts, that we will be fully grounded, founded, established, and built up in your words because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for you are faithful to keep us until that day. We commit the congregation unto your hands. We pray for each one of us. Be with us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to live in your victory. Fill us, Lord, and renew us in your Holy Spirit of the promise. We give you all praise. We give you all glory. In the name of Jesus. Amen.